The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. I am not Patrick Bexel. Um, I'm Jared Buck. Uh, Patrick gets a, a well-deserved day off on this. Look at the top 25, under 25. Fortunately, though, it's it's not only me. We do have uh, Ant- Anton Rasgard uh, with me who doesn't get a day off. Anton, how are you? Yeah, it's fine by me. I live for these things. And Patrick had an important paper to grade or something. So so he had much more limited time than I did. I, I am happy to stay up past midnight to record a podcast. It's wonderful. Uh, I, I guess you, you wouldn't be sleeping now anyway, would you? Let's be honest. No, of, of yeah. course not. I'm, <laughs> I'm busy reading up on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who just won his 12th title as the as Sweden's best football player as age... 39 so uh so it's a great day for uh for us swedes yeah he do you think he's the most famous swede in the world probably right yeah he probably is athlete for sure athlete for sure yeah especially like i've noticed whenever i well whenever i travel wherever i get to slatin is probably the first swede that they (laughs) mention there are a couple of musical artists as well especially avici when he was at his biggest but now it's pretty much slatin i think yeah, athlete, it's definitely no question. Except except for in, in NHL land and everything, it could be, you know, and I feel like even in North America, everyone knows Latin. Like, you don't even need to say his last name. Everyone just knows yeah. him. Um, After his stint in LA Galaxy as well, I think yeah. he pretty much conquered North America yeah. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, he even, he even conquered COVID, um, according to him. Well, um, I did. I did that as well. So yes, that's I mean, true. basically, I'm Zlatan. So. <laughs> it must be something in, in the Swedish uh, genes or something. Um, speaking, uh, I, I don't. I can't even segue away from that. Let, let's just go into this this part of the the top twenty five uh, under twenty five. We are reaching the top ten ever so slowly. We are in the top fifteen, and that's where we'll start this podcast. Uh, number fifteen in our ranking was Jaden Struble. Yeah, Jaden Struble. It's kind of kind of fascinating how he he and Jordan Harris just follow each other along. Uh, obviously, Jaden came to Northeastern one year after yeah. Harris, but now we see Jordan Harris checking in at number sixteen, and then Jaden Struble at number fifteen. And um, yeah, it will be fascinating to follow them both going forward. Yeah, and the two completely different players too. <laughs> um, obviously, Harris is, uh, you know, a little, a lot, not not smaller necessarily, not that much smaller in, in height, but just in build. Just, it uh, just feels smaller. Yeah, because exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He feels smaller next to next to Struble, and you know, 
uh, Struble is is an interesting prospect. I, I had him ranked well ahead of um, of Harris. I actually had him ranked fifteen uh, in my cold take um, rankings because uh, we, we mentioned this a little bit. And if you follow the the, the rankings so far, my, my rankings are are I don't have anybody too high no, or too low. And Struble, I had him right on at fifteen, which is interesting. But for me, he, he's he bridges the gap between the players who are a little bit closer to the NHL, guys like uh, Josh Brook, Noah Jolson, you know, Kale Fleury, all, all those guys who, who are coming in the rankings. And then the other guys below him, guys like Harris and, and the guys who are, who are maybe a little bit farther away from, from the NHL. So I, I have him in, in that kind of middle zone. And he was, a hard, he was an interesting player to rank for me because we, we really haven't seen him play other than the northeastern obviously that's that's great but he got injured at development camp in his first one in, in 2019 obviously there is no development camp in 2020 which which is making the rankings uh, a little bit more maybe uh, a free-for-all or because we have so little data especially on the new prospects uh, drafted in 2020 but for me struble he, he's he's very uh, hit or miss player for me. You know, either he's going to be a top four defenseman or he's going to struggle to be in the NHL, uh, and it just depends what what ends up happening. Exactly, and I think that's where our rankings differed because if we compare him to Jordan Harris again, you had Jordan Harris at twenty, I had Jordan Harris at ten because Jordan Harris, I I understand that people see that Jaden Struble has higher upside naturally with the physical freak he just is and how he just conquered the combine before the draft and how he has developed since then and the offense he can package into uh, i mean he's tantalizing to watch um compared to jordan harris who's just more i mean he's an offensive defenseman as well but he's more solid all around uh jaden struble is electrifying he, he if he reaches his potential it's kind of subanesque uh, the way he can play the of his offensive game uh, but struble is probably the the most as i said the most tantalizing defensive well if we can call him defensive prospect but yeah defenseman uh prospect um that the habs have in their system per now yeah for me he he reminds me in terms of not really style, but like Matthias Norlander, Norlander is another prospect who is very offensive. Uh, and obviously he, he's probably going to be ranked, uh, he is ranked higher than Struble because we haven't mentioned his name yet in, in the ranking. But in terms of uh, of the, 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 like the offense, the defense potential, um, but Norlander obviously is playing professionally. He's, he's well, much more ahead, but Struble was was always going to be raw. They weren't even sure if he was going to play NCAA hockey last year. It no. kind of came down to the wire where you know he had to get his academics in order and um, and things like that. And then he he finally went to Northeastern last year, and you know he, he put up modest numbers. Point totals in the NCAA are so hard to to compare. You know he had three goals, seven assists in twenty one games, and. You know, obviously, it, it depends what happens this season. Obviously, some schools are getting uh, underway a little bit uh, sooner than others, but uh, it'll be be fun to watch him because he's somebody who will probably continue to rise up these rankings, uh, considering he's already number fifteen and and still probably at least two years away from from the NHL and at least a year away from from playing professionally. 
Yeah, and we, we can't forget either that he was one of the youngest players in the draft last year. He's born in September yeah. 2001, so he's only a few months older than Caden Gooley. So he's still really, really young. And uh, that is something that you have to weigh into the factor as well, that he has a lot of untapped potential, hopefully, uh, still left to still left to figure out. So the fact that uh, the Canadians still have three more years of eligibility before they have to make a decision on him is just bonkers, basically, because <laughs> he has... Yeah, he has great, great upside, and it's a fascinating prospect to follow moving forward. Yeah, he's probably the the highest upside NCAA prospect that they have. Uh, uh, yeah, I was gonna say other than than Cole Caulfield, obviously. Uh, so it is going to be interesting to watch him. Obviously, you know, I, I would expect Cole Caulfield to sign a contract after this year, regardless of of what happens. Struble probably not. Harris is probably going to sign after this year. Obviously, he's older than Struble is, uh, and yeah. a year closer to uh, graduation as well. So it's a little bit different in that sense. But yeah, very, very easily next year, Struble could be the top NCAA prospect remaining, uh, assuming that Caulfield, Caulfield, Cole Caulfield signs uh, with the Canadians, which I think a lot of people are expecting uh, at this point. Yeah, definitely. And it it kind of works out well since uh, both Harris and Struble play at Northeastern. Struble can pretty much like take on a bigger role when Harris leaves, if Harris leaves after this season, which we kind of expect. So so it just works out well for them if Struble stays for a third year as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and you mentioned age is a big thing as well. Uh, so even if he does you know, spend an extra year in, in college, uh, there's a, a lot of uh, developing to do and that uh, that extra year can be uh, big for him. Imagine if he was a prospect coming into the draft, uh, you know, like a Caden Gooley or a Yan Mishak, uh, lots of players, uh, Luke Tuck, obviously, as well. Uh, a player like that, and, you know, he's already at number 15 in the rankings, uh, which, is, which is pretty significant for a player his age. Uh, the next player on the list is another defenseman, another uh, second-round pick by the Montreal Canadiens, and that's Josh Brook. Yeah, Josh Brook, who has already played a season of professional hockey, yeah. and that that season saw him fall in the rankings from number eleven last year to number fourteen this year. Uh, it was modest success, we can call it, in Laval. He he became better uh, the longer the season went. I think that you watched Laval more than me, so you can see you can say more about his development last year. Yeah, for for Brook, I think that the expectations were so high. You know, people had him on the same level as Paling, Suzuki, uh, and and really he just wasn't ready for that. He, he had played a few games in the AHL the year before, uh, you know, after after his uh, CHL season ended, he played seven games at the Rocket. He had one assist. And, you know, a lot of people were, were saying, oh, he, he's in the running for, for making this team. In the end, it ended up being Kale Fleury. That that uh, ended up making the team uh, out of training camp. Uh, somebody who was off the radar a little bit, but who had played a full professional season the year before uh, because of his, uh, you know, he had an extra year in the WHL. He was eligible to go to the AHL. And, you know, a lot of people would be disappointed with Brooks' season, but I, I think that doesn't say anything about him as a player. I think the, just the expectations were too high. The expectations were so high for him that, that people expected him to go, you know, like like Nick Suzuki and uh, play in the NHL right away, 
or or at least you know dominate the AHL. And, you know, Brooke and Paling are, are very similar in that regard because I think both of them had expectations that were a little bit high, and we we had to kind of dial them back a little bit. And, you know, both two players drafted in the same draft in 2017, and I and I think that you know the development is is ongoing. I had Brooke at 11, so a little bit higher than where he ranked overall, just because I, I didn't see anything last year to to change my outlook on him. You know, he's still the same kind of player he, he was, just, um, you know, maybe not as flashy as, as you would have liked in, in Laval. He, he ended up being a forward at some point because uh, uh, Joel Bouchard wanted to, to kind of, you know, get him to, to not think as much about, um, you know, things and, and get him uh, back to, to being the Josh Brook that we know. So, yeah, he definitely got better as the year went on. And and that's what's going to happen for a player who is, you know, in, in you know very young still, uh, and you know this year he would be expected to be a, a big contributor to Rocket, as well. Yeah, we've seen uh, more, even more. Um, what we say, um, acknowledged player is coming out from the CHL or, or from. Um, or from junior leagues and and having a bit of stage fright during their first professional season. It's not something that should make you uh, want to question um, whether he's a talent worthy of of playing in uh, in Montreal in the future. He's still only 21, and as we as we saw as well, he he did play better down the stretch, and um, and uh, obviously it means a lot. I, I think it meant a lot for. For these young guys in Laval last season to have a, a seasoned vet like Carl Alsner, who they could learn from, just to see uh, how you should, uh, well, how, what what you should think of to to make the big league, and maybe what you should, yeah, uh, think of to to remain there even in your thirties. But but yeah, uh, Josh Brook will still be hopefully a top four. Demand for for Laval this year and and will be interesting to see when it comes to to call ups, especially for on that right side and whether he can compete to, with Kel Fleury for for the third uh, pairing spot um, later this season. So, something with Brooke that that is really interesting to me is that he's a player who is we talked about it with Struble a little bit more offensive minded, and that's where his game comes in and. I think a lot of players, and, and Brooke was victim to this, is that he was playing too conservatively and, and not really using his strength. And his strength is his skating, his passing, his his offensive game. And, and I think that any young player, especially uh, playing defense, like to sit back and not want to make mistakes. And, you know, Alls, you mentioned Alsner. He had a great um, impact on Brooke. They played together a majority of the year. Much like Alsner played with Flurry, Kale Flurry uh, the year before, and uh, when when Alsner was was finally called up to the Canadians, uh, Brooke was one of the happiest guys. He was speaking to the media after the game, and and he was definitely one of those players who was um, very excited for the for Alsner getting called up because of what he meant to him uh, in Laval. Yeah, and I, I think as well, uh, just the fact that if we compare him to someone like Kale Fleury, who is more of the traditional stay-at-home uh, physical defenseman, it's easier for him to to take a spot um, where well wherever in the lineup basically, 
like a Joel Edmondson. Yeah. You could plug him into the first pairing or the third pairing. It doesn't matter. He will still do a solid job all around. But someone like Brooke, you have to, you have to just uh, the same as with Matthias Norlinder. You have to accept that sometimes they will make mistakes, but you will get a lot of offensive upside with it if you accept that. So it it's kind of more of you, you have to be a good coach and just take that take the good with the bad with a guy like Brooke. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you know you don't you don't a guy uh, you know the next the next player on the list is kind of an example. I'll, I'll kind of segue that way is Jesse Olinen, right? You're not going to get Jesse Olinen to to play a defensive role on the fourth line, right? You, no. you, you have to you know his strength is is his offensive game and he can play defensively, but um, yeah, I, I think that that's that's the kind of mindset is that you know he's not going to come in and necessarily you know. He can play on a third pairing, but um, an offensive third pairing. But yeah, he's he's going to take time to develop that side of his game because when you're so much better than everyone else for a long time, you don't really have the repetitions of being, uh, you know, having to play that way. You know, when you're when you're better than everybody else for a long time, it just kind of comes easy to you, uh, and you don't have to really play defense. Uh, and we see that with a lot of players, not just the defensemen, uh, forwards as well, but. Yeah, in Brooks' case, I think that he's he's coming along. The development is good. I trust Joel Bouchard to 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 bring him along. He was a former NHL defenseman, so it's for me. Uh, I understand why people uh, lost uh, hope. I would say or, or um, put him down a little bit on their rankings, but for me, um, I think the expectations were just too high for last year, and and maybe now. You know, people will take a step back and, and kind of just watch him uh, develop and, and see what happens. You know, I, I think that he, probably another year in Laval, at least, will be necessary for him, and that's fine. You know, the, the right yeah. side of the Canadiens' defense is, is pretty full right now. Uh, they have guys like Victor Mete who can play on the right side. Brett Kulak can play on the right side. Uh, and, and they're going to need, you know, Alexander Romanov. There's going to be guys who are going to be, you know, in the NHL, and that's fine. You know, let Brooke go in Laval, yeah. let him play there, and... and just wait for him to be ready. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and maybe it can be a good thing as well that uh, expectations are more tempered this season so that he can kind of fly under the radar and much of the spotlight will go on a player like Alexander Romanov, for example. Or, um, yeah, even guys like Fleury and Jolson will probably get higher expectations coming into the season. So so that could be a good thing. And Bouchard can, can maybe protect him a little bit and, and just make sure that he gains his confidence back. And, you know, you mentioned take the spotlight. The, the one example of that for me was uh, Jesperi Kutkiniemi because all throughout development camp, he was the, the guy that everybody wanted to speak to. Everybody wanted to speak to him at rookie camp. Everyone wanted to speak to him. And then the day before actual training camp, what happened? They treated Max Pacioretty. They got Nick Suzuki. Suddenly, Nick Suzuki was the new guy that everyone would talk to. And people kind of forgot, not forgot about Kutkiniemi, but he wasn't always going to be asked uh, media every day because they had Suzuki, they had Tar, they had other young players to go to. And, and I yeah. think that that really helped Kutkiniemi in that training camp, and he ended up making the team out of it. So, yeah, I think that the spotlight and the expectations and kind of fading into the background, and that goes for a guy like Ryan Paling as well, who I think, you know, was a victim of his first NHL game. And uh, everyone was thinking, okay, Jeez, he's going yeah. to he's gonna, he's gonna <laughs> make this team. And, and then, um, 
you know, obviously he struggled, he had injuries and never kind of was up and down and never really got his bearings. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, you know, just Joel Bouchard said many times about paling um, and even Brooke, just, just let me coach them. Let me coach them. Yeah. Just don't, don't talk to them all the time. Just let me coach them and, 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 and I'll, uh, I'll get them ready. And I think that's just what needs to happen. And, and Brooke is a good example of that. Yeah, and, and uh, since you talked about Kotkaniemi as well, like uh, what we saw with him when he went down for a stint in Laval last exactly. year as well, yeah. when he just got 10 games or something there, when he had lost his confidence up in the NHL, it hasn't hadn't gone too well for him. Then he went down and he had, what was it, 10 assists in 11 games or something. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, and then he came back and... and during the well during the play-ins and the playoffs he was one of the canadians best players so you see what confidence can do for a young player and it goes so so like with the media and everything and of course we contribute to that but everything goes very high up and then you're on top of the world and then very far down and then you're just worse than shit all of a sudden and of course it's the truth is always somewhere in the middle yeah exactly you know you can't get too high can't get too low um, the and you know the answer is probably like you said in the middle uh, of yes. that and you know, moving on to to the number thirteen player in the ranking and this is an interesting one for me uh, and it's Yessi Ulanen because I feel like a lot of people um, are intrigued by him <laughs> you know the, I feel the, like you are intrigued by him <laughs> I am intrigued by him I, I am yeah. intrigued by him uh, you know I had him at number ten. Um, one spot above Josh Brook, which is where he ended up in the ranking, but but obviously not the same number. Uh, yeah. And you know he had four top ten rankings in in the top twenty five under twenty five among our panelists. And then for me, I, I just I see him as as a top a potential top six player. And you know he's going to be making his debut in Laval this year. Well, hopefully, if all goes well with with the North American hockey season. And, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued because I think that he is going to be a player who is going to play very good top six minutes for Laval. And I think he's going to make the NHL this year. Uh, I really do. And I think his play in Finland has been very strong. And I think that there's a, a good chance that he, he comes into camp in game shape as opposed to maybe some other players who are on that NHL, AHL bubble. And who could who can surprise? And yeah, I, I like him as a prospect. You know, I saw him at, at development camp his first year, and you know he was he was one of the best players who were there. Um, you know, he was potentially even better than Kotkaniemi in that very small sample. And I know it's a small sample, and I'm not saying he's better than Kotkaniemi, but you know he was he was fun to watch. And and I think that you know that kind of style of game, and you know you look at his numbers in Finland, and they aren't very good. Uh, or at least not what you would expect from a potential top six player, but I, I think that he's a player who uh, can can adjust to his surroundings, and I'm looking forward to him playing uh, in Laval and, and potentially in Montreal, well, especially in training camp. He he should be in Montreal, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and and how uh, he looks uh, with his um, contemporaries. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you wanted to share your hot take um, on the podcast, but you already did that. So we will hold you to that. Hopefully <laughs> I, I think I did that a couple like... of episodes ago, too, uh, when, when me and Patrick were talking about it. So I, I, th- I think I did talk about that already. But yeah, you know, it's it's for me, it's I just see him as as a player who's who's played professionally for the last few years. And, 
you know, we see it with guys like Arturi Lekkonen, you know, and, and Lekkonen never became that top six player that many, you know, including myself, who thought he would score 30 goals. Um, yeah, that was another one of my hot takes. He has but... scored 30 goals in total. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that not, not what I was going for, but yeah, I'll take it. Uh, but yeah, he's a guy like that who can kind of jump in and, um, you know, we saw it with Lucas Vedemo, who uh, made his NHL debut last season as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, and like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing him, you know, with guys like Alex Belzil and, you know, Jake Evans and to see where he compares to them. Uh, because obviously those are the players he's going to be competing for, for ice time with. Similar to, to Brooke when we mentioned Jolson and Fleury and, and guys like that, that that's what Ullinen will have to be in. And right now, you know, he's kind of in that bubble spot. Even Ryan Paling is, is kind of in that mix as well, right? So it's going to be very interesting to see, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And, you know, you could say the same thing about Cam Hillis, uh, who was a yep. little bit lower in the rankings. You know, he's going to come over to Laval as well, and it's going to give everybody a better idea of really where these players are because it's so hard to compare. Everyone's in different situations, right? You can be in Europe on a bad team, in the OHL on a great team, and, you know, you don't really know on a game-to-game basis where these players stand. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what these players can do. And, and Ullinen, for me, is is right on the cusp of the the, the top tier of, of prospects in this organization. Yeah, the Laval Rocket will have the most interesting team they've had in their short history, for yeah. sure, this we, season. We, we said that this last year. A... We said that last year, yeah. too. But every year it's going to get more and more interesting. That That's the great part about the this, the talent that's coming in. Exactly, because obviously we, we know that the Canadians have drafted well for the last few years, or at least have several players coming in on entry-level contracts from every draft. Exactly. And and obviously we have what we think is a good coach and what we hope is a good coach <laughs> in Joel Bouchard. Um, and, and the development system is just starting to seem more uh, fruitful. And that is obviously uh, promising, especially when it comes to a guy like Ullen and who we well, we're hoping to see last year in Laval for, for a short amount of time, but we didn't get to. Um, I see him as a potential long-term re- replacement for Paul Byron, um, who can, as you say, possibly go up and have a top six role when it's needed by the team, but also can take a third line role with his uh, with his skating and everything that he can... Um, since he's such a good skater, he can be uh, that kind of guy who is just always... Um, in opponents' faces, and you can never really relax when he's on the ice because once you get a breakthrough pass or something, he is gone, basically. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jesse Olunen is, I wouldn't say he's underrated uh, coming in at 13, but I think that he will... Yeah, I don't want to say too much, but I, I can <laughs> imagine him being higher up last, uh, uh, next year when people have had a chance to see him more. Yeah, I, I think he's a player, and you know, a lot of these players who are making their debuts uh, in in professional hockey are in that kind of break, you know, that make or break point where you know it wouldn't surprise me if Ullman goes up, but if he has a bad year, it won't surprise me if he goes down either. So it's it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, there's lots of players around them uh, that are are going to have that fluctuation as well, and. What's really interesting is that there's only two players who are graduating this year, Jake Evans and Lucas Vedemo. So yeah. it's 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 not like you know you're going to have that organic, you know, moving up like like you did this year when uh, Duran left, Domi graduated, Lekkinen graduated, um, the, a bunch of players in that top tier, uh, Charles Houdon, 
as well. Mm. Uh, all all kind of graduated, and and it's going to be interesting to see what happens as uh, as this as this goes because you know it, it's very volatile, right? If if uh, one of these players you know ahead of of Ulinen has has a great uh, has a bad year, then then Ulinen will will likely you know pass them, or if he has a good year and people below him. If they have great years, you know, if Cam Hillis has a better year in Laval than Jesse Ullin does, you know, Cam Hillis will will probably you know might be able to pass him. So it, it's that it, that whole range I, I think between thirteen and below is very volatile. And one good year or bad year is going to skyrocket people. You know, Luke Tuck is a good example of that. He has a good year in the NCAA. Yeah, if they end up playing a regular season, then he'll shoot up the the rankings as well. Um, yeah, and Sean Farrell. We've all Sean, Sean Farrell. Yeah. yeah, he's already he's already putting up great numbers, and and I think that yeah. that's I think he's vindicating um, the the voters a little bit um, because yeah. Yeah. Um, you know people are saying, oh, he's the fifth round pick. Why is he ranked so high? Uh, and and his start to the season is is showing that you know it's not just about the players who was there. You know that team doesn't have um, you know all the guys they did a year ago, and he's uh, he's he's still putting up points and, and scoring goals. And um, yeah, he's going to be a fun one to watch as well. But yeah, that, that's exactly it. it. It's so volatile because everybody, he, most of the players on this list, except for, you know, three are non NHL players or non full-time NHL players. The only full-time NHL players are really Mete, uh, Suzuki and Kakinyemi. Everyone else you is know? kind of, kind of like uh, up and down. And, you know, we expect Romanov to probably be in the NHL this year, but as of right now, um, that's it. Obviously, Paling and Flurry and uh, guys like that have played in the NHL, but you know it's no full time NHLers. So it, it's it, it's a fun list, and I think it can change a lot. And, and not necessarily based on what the players themselves do, it's what everyone else around them does. And that that's what makes this fun for me. Um, I, that, this is your first time uh, doing it as well, but for, that that's that's the fun part for me. Yeah, and uh, and it also shows us the fact that there was such a drop off, as you said. These players who left, who are well, kind of, yeah, they're aging out or or they have left the organization completely. But then there's just a gap down to like a bunch of twenty year olds, which just shows us how bad the Canadians drafted <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or developed. Yeah, I wouldn't say drafted because obviously no. they drafted talents. It was yeah. just they had bad ta- talent development or they didn't know what to do with with their talents, and that was obviously part of as well if we look at those years 2014 to 2016 ish or 2013 2016 it was also a a run of years where the canadians thought that they had a winning caliber team so they really wanted to do everything to kind of be in that win now mode in the beginning of bergevin's uh, era as as general manager and obviously it didn't work all the way and uh, then they had to just change direction and after that we see just this influx of of talent coming in now and it makes it yeah it makes it super interesting to follow the top 25 under 25 for the upcoming years because yeah who knows who will uh, crack the top 10 for next year it could be well, we, yeah, we we see we see guys putting up points everywhere. We saw Jack Gorniak, <laughs> Jack Gorniak score, scoring a goal yesterday. We saw Jack, Jack Smith started putting up points in the USHL. So yeah, it looked great. I, I don't think Jack Gorniak is going to make the top ten next year. That, that's my <laughs> that's my hot take. But no, you're that's right. That's my and, hot take. And and the, the funny the funny part is, and you mentioned you know the drafting and things like that, but you know the fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen drafts. The big factor there, zero second round picks. 
in those three yeah. years. You know, in, in 2016, they, they had, you know, Sergachev was the first round pick. Obviously, he was traded for Duran, who's just a few years older. But that few years is, is now and next year and the year after in the top 25 under 25. Um, obviously, Nikita Sherbach, you know, we, we know um, what what's happened with, with him and, and he's kind of... Um, you know, not not in the NHL picture at this point. Noah Jolson is is still a player to to come in these rankings, but you know that that's pretty much it. You know, in in those three years, there is currently, let me do a quick count here. There are four players from those yeah. drafts um, in in still in the organization under twenty five. There's Jake Evans from the twenty fourteen draft. There's Vedamo and Jolson from twenty fifteen. And uh, Mete from 2016, yeah. and so that's you know that's where that's where they're at. And obviously, there's there are players who are traded in that. You know, Simon Bork uh, was traded before he um, left uh, professional hockey. Um, right. William Bitten uh, was traded to Minnesota. Uh, Learn out Gustav Olafsson, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bitten was traded. Uh, 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 um, sorry, Addison uh, went back to, to university hockey. Uh, Brett Lernout uh, was um, a free agent, still is a free agent, I think, uh, after a year of Vegas. Uh, Daniel Odette. So, I mean, it's not just development. Hayden Hockey was dra- was traded a few years ago um, for a draft for, pick. For a Edmonton. fifth round pick, <laughs> yeah. and that's insane. <laughs> and they didn't even sign him. Edmonton didn't even sign him after trading for him. But, yeah, you know, and, and but... <laughs> yeah, and but that that's the ma- that's the major gap right now, right? That's that's the gap, and why we have so many young players is because yeah. the, those three years, um, and, and like I said, it's not just drafting, it's not even just development, it's just what happens when you don't have second round picks, and then you look at the last, um, the last f- four years after that, right? So we had three years, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, with no second round picks. Seven, in twenty seventeen, he had two. In 2018, they had three. In 2019, they had one. And in 2020, they had two. And that's that's what makes the difference here. You know, guys like Tuck, Mishak, Struble, uh, Ullinen, Romanov, Olofsson, these are all guys who we're talking about right now in yeah. this range. And and that's where you... Brooke is, is another one. Th- these are all guys that are in that range. And that's where you get that second tier. Because, yes, you know, you can get first-round prospects into the top 15. But what really helps you is getting those second round picks, and Montreal has done a good job of holding on and collecting those draft picks, and that's that's a major reason why the organization is is where it is in terms of of prospects. Yeah, like, like uh, just to just to yeah circle back to to what you said there. Yeah, we saw we saw that asset management this year as well when the Montreal Canadiens traded their third uh, second round pick for a second year pick in twenty twenty one. Tampa Bay's right, so yeah. so that they will have an extra asset there as well. So just the fact that it's always about just having the possibility, like someone like Jan Mishak, for example, who was expected to be a first rounder, then he fell to number forty-eight, where the Montreal Canadiens could snag him because they had Chicago's extra pick there, so they could go for both Luke Tuck and Jan Mishak and didn't have to choose, choose between yeah. them. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I was just going to ask you, do you remember what the Montreal Canadiens got for those second round picks when they traded them in 2014 to 2016, just from the top of your head? Um, no, I, I think Petrie no, was one. I, I think Petrie was one. That's, um, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that was, um, you know what, Let me, let's check that. Okay, so 2014 was the Vanek trade. They traded Vanek 
Um, they, they got Vanek and a fifth round pick for Sebastian Kohlberg and a 2014 second round pick. By the way, the Islanders took, um, actually the, the Lightning took because uh, the Islanders traded the pick. They took Jonathan McLeod, who um, was not signed. <laughs> no. um, at number 57 overall. So that was wow. the that was the 2014 pick. Let's go to 2015. What what did can, the Canadians get for that fifth round pick? They got Co- Nicholas Koberstein. Okay. So not, not much better. <laughs> okay. Not much better. <laughs> Let's be honest. That wasn't much better. Um, I, I left that part out on purpose. Um, uh, 20, 2015 was the Petrie trade. So Montreal traded a fourth in twenty fifteen and a, f- a second in twenty fifteen to the Oilers. The Oilers then traded that pick uh, with two others for Cam Talbot to the Rangers. And then the Rangers traded that pick for two picks to the Capitals. The Capitals also uh, took Jonas Siegenthaler, um, okay. 57th overall, yeah. uh, in that year. So let's go to 2016. And this one, I don't really know. So let's, it'll be interesting. Oh, this one, obviously, yeah. The 2016 one was traded um, with the number... 45 overall pick, uh, which was in the Andrew Shaw trade. So, ah, right. uh, and, and yeah, th- th- that one hurts because that was Alex DeBrincat, um, was. who was taken with the 39th overall pick. So yeah. they also took, um, the 45th overall pick was Chad Chris, who, uh, is not as good as Alex DeBrincat. Um, but yeah, so you look at the, the three players, Andrew Shaw, Thomas Vanek, and Jeff Petrie. Obviously, the Petrie one aged well. The Shaw one worked out well because they ended up getting a second-round pick for him anyway. Um, and for that second-round pick, we got Luke Tuck, which yeah. is basically an Andrew Shaw replacement. So that's <laughs> yeah. great. We're yeah, all going it's the circle here. of life. It's always, it's always Chicago. At least these players um, you know, either contributed or... Um, to a to a playoff team and in, in in the sense of Shaw, you know, did that as well. Vanek was, uh, I think that was a great trade. E- even even if they didn't keep the pick, I think that's what that's a trade you have to make every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the Petrie one obviously worked out very well as well. But yeah, you see you see the downside to that, right? Because if Montreal was still a contending team, you know, in the last few years, we wouldn't necessarily miss these second round picks as much as we do. The problem is that they weren't. <laughs> so they made these playoffs these three the, the the years that they made them, but then you know you don't have anything to show for it. Uh, and I think that's that's the difference now. Obviously, Jeff Petrie is still on the team and a major part of the team, uh, and you make that trade as well. But we see the downside to it, right? The, the the good side is that you see you have a Jeff Petrie on your second pairing. The downside is you're you're missing that depth a little bit. So. Uh, it's it's you see how delicate it is, right? Because there's yeah. probably the the Shaw trade was was bad, um, just because of who was still on the board, right? That, that's that. Andrew Shaw was was a a good contributor to the Canadians. The the problem was is that you know and they did get two picks for Lars Eller that same you know basically at the same time, and mm. and so you do see, you know, it, it's defensible. The problem is is that you, you see the downside to it. Right, the downside is the 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 lack of draft picks. So it's a very delicate balance, right? Because I don't think anybody argued against the Vanek trade at the time. Definitely nobody argued against the Petrie trade at the time, and still don't. Uh, the Shaw trade, like I said, is a little bit more hit or you know hit or miss, uh, and that one is the but one it, that looks it, a little bit worse. 
Yeah, but, it becomes even worse just because Alex Dabrinkat right. has become such a exactly. great player. If Chicago doesn't take Alex Dabrinkat, we're not probably talking about this. Uh, you know, yes, he was still on the board. Yes, Samuel Girard was still on the board as well. Um, but you know, then you'd have people saying the Canadians are too small, right? So maybe it's um, you know, and hey, if they take Dabrinkat, maybe they don't take Cole Caulfield. And you no, know, so exactly. So, it, so it's that, it's that was... it's it's a it's a slippery slope, right? It's a slippery slope once you get there, but. You, you see how fi- how small the, the line is because, you know, it's not like Shaw is a bad, was a bad player for the Canadians. It's not like uh, Vanek was a bad trade. It's not like Peachy was a bad trade at all. But you see the downside to that, and that's that's the lack of those picks and, uh, you know, missing those, those those players in your organization. So I, I think what, what hurt it even more is that the years before that, they didn't really develop, develop and draft well either. Right, because if no, you have no, that, exactly. that, you're basically it's not just those three years; it's the years before that as well, right? It's the, you know missing on De La Rose and McCarron and Fukali, and you know they had three second round picks that year. They just yeah. you know hit on one of them, which which was yeah. in. So, um, yeah, it, it's a very delicate balance, but you know that's what we're we're gonna look at uh, throughout this this countdown, and um, we'll have more as we approach the top ten. Um, at the end of the week, and, and like I said earlier, and I alluded to it, this is when the, the debates get really bad because everybody <laughs> knows these players, right? Now we're talking about guys who are played in Europe, who are played in the AHL, but once we get closer to the top 10, everyone has seen these players. Everyone, you know, they, they, most of them have played for the Canadians or, or seen a lot of them in the, in the, uh, the case of prospects. So it, it'll be a lot of fun. Still, it's a, a special list this year since we have so many young prospects. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's exactly. not the usual where it's like guys who are established NHLers. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, just to just to uh, last comment on what you said there um, about the Canadians' draft history and everything, it feels like finally for the first time, and I know that we've said that in the past as well that the Canadians are building the team from the bottom up instead of just depleting and just throwing assets and trying to put makeup on a pig kind of um, that kind of management now it just feels like instead of uh, overpaying uh, third well I mean over having to overpay for well third line wingers or third pairing defensemen or whatever now you actually can take those guys from the AHL or from your own development system because you have so many uh, quality talents in your own pool. And that's just in a great, it's just a great situation to be in. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun too, is that all these guys are so young. So you, you can say that one player is better than the next. And then the next year you can be completely wrong and, and change your ranking. And, and I think we'll see a lot of that as we approach the top 10. Um, and we saw it with Brooke, you know, players who are dropping players who are going to go up, uh, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and I don't know if I'll be on these podcast to discuss it. Maybe you know, it depends when you guys record and how light you stay up. Um, but um, Anton, thank you for joining me, and, and thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on Hops Invited. <laughs>